important part is that you create value through struggle ultimately you have to take pain and struggle is painful for everyone it's un- it's uncomfortable and you know as an entrepreneur you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and so so whenever there is discomfort i embrace it because i know that's where the value is going to come out ever wondered how long it took an overnight success to become an overnight success what were the first mvps delivered by top companies and how did they do it what were the vital pivots that changed their business forever and what tests were run that achieved the results that made the company the success it is today this is my product tested the show that unpacks how successful founders have tested their way to success and all the market validation that happened along the way In studio, as always, from the Hype team, Miles Hofak and Cameron Calder. And here in studio this week, Gil Sperling, founder and co-CEO of the South African PropTech startup, Flow. Gil and his co-founder have spent the last three years building a product that's lighting smart fires in the PropTech industry and reconstructing the tech shrapnel blown to pieces by outdated thinking and legacy beliefs. In this episode, we find out how Flow leveraged business intelligence and data science to pivot their product to become the top prop tech marketing platform out there, and now loved by thousands of property agencies and developers around the world. Um, Gil, welcome to the studio. Great, great to be here, guys. Yeah, we, we're super pumped to finally have you in the studio. Uh, I think we got a lot to talk about, a lot of questions. And uh, obviously, we're excited about where Flow is. Um, so, Gil, this is a very exciting time for you, a time that most founders dream of being in. You're hitting your rhythm as a, a tech company, seeing insane growth month on month, and you found uh, what we see as a right niche, built an incredibly valuable product that's being improved by the day. The total addressable market is looking more attractive than ever. And we know one of your big strengths is speed and you guys are constantly evolving, tweaking, and enhancing over time. But in this very room, in this very moment, what is Flow today? So Flow is a, a, a prop tech platform uh, that allows and enables agents and agencies, real estate agents and agencies, uh, to grow their business, to market themselves on digital channels. Um, that's something that is very limited to them these days because it is one of the most fragmented industries. Uh, I mean, think about it, you know, when you, you probably worked with an agent somewhere along the line, buying or renting a home. And uh, so there's an agent and that agent works at an office, you know, so uh, Remax, Cape Town, Seif, Plett, Pam Golding, Durban. And, uh, um, and that, that agent has, you know, dozens of listings that she's trying to market and sell. So in South Africa, there are 5,000 offices um, and there are 40,000 agents and there are hundreds of thousands of listings. So tiny little pieces all over the show, very valuable. Um, and, and you know, the, the agent themselves is their own commission earner, they, their own business. And they don't have time, or even many of them don't have the technical skills to, to market themselves on digital channels like most businesses in the world do. And that's what we solve. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, been fortunate enough to be looking for a, a place to stay in the past couple of months. I'm very well versed in in the process and how fragmented it is and you know chatting to rental agents specifically they don't have any time in their hands they have too much stock they can't actually qualify the certain people that are looking for properties to stay and it's just difficult to actually speak to them and i would imagine on the same on their side they've got 
so many different pieces of the puzzle that they need to pull together to actually combine and, and run a proper business. Yeah, I mean, like they, they, the agent is ultimately a person you trust to help you find your home, to rent or to buy. And, and what they're expert is in is to help match it. And, you know, sales ultimately, that's what they're good at. And they don't necessarily have the capacity um, to, to learn, to figure out, or to even run their own digital campaigns. And as you guys know at Harp, it's quite intense. It's quite complex, right? There's, you've got to be tracking, you've got to be measuring, you've got to understand the metrics. It's, it's, a, it's not a, a simple street poll ad. Um, and uh, yeah, 100%. That's, that's the challenge that we, we're solving for them. Yeah, and I mean, today, that's, that's what Flow is, and it's taken some time to get there. You guys have been working on this for just over three years to build this amazing product that it is today, and you're kind of finding your rhythm. But I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. There's no sort of overnight successes. It, it doesn't just happen very quickly. And, you know, with as much research as possible going into a, a product launch, you're not going to see instant success straight away. It does take time and it takes testing and it takes a couple of pivots. And I know you guys didn't start with where you are now and it took time to get to where you are today. Um, where did Flow start? What was what was the beginning and, you know, what sort of problem were you actually solving? Yeah, I mean, almost working backwards. Today, we've got the product market fit. We've got the scale. We've got hundreds of clients using it. Um, but going all the way to the back, we, we, we started out um, with this vision to build a rental platform um, that could kind of surface tenant information to landlords and landlord information to tenants to make that match better, to make your rental experience better. Um, so we built a tenant app um, that, that would reward a tenant for, for paying rent on time, for looking after the place, for lease renewal. Um, and with the view that once we hit critical mass, we could launch a search portal. And you can imagine how powerful that search portal would be because there's such depth of information about people in their rental, um, in, 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 in their rental capacity that the match would just be really good. So we launched search and we launched it two weeks before lockdown, the first lockdown last year, uh, was it? Yeah. When was it? It was, yeah, it was last year. And so, so, uh, yeah, that threw a spanner in the works. The industry shut down, as we all know it. We, if you remember, guys, we used to be locked up at home, and they didn't let us go outside our house, like you know, 500 meters outside our house, unless you go to the shop. It's it's quite funny to look back, but it also means that the real estate sector shut down completely, the deeds office, etc. So, you know, we kind of sat there a few months in, burning cash as a business because there was zero revenue, um, saying to ourselves, what do we, how do we approach? agencies because of course we worked with landlords so let's go to the agency show them what we built i mean let's do something and we did and uh you know in a year we built it up to a hundred thousand tenants so we had like really good traction but we went to the um we went to the agencies and they said wow very cool hundred thousand but you know um like critical mass it's not critical mass it's when we when we work with property 24 and private property and there are millions of people there um, you know, it's, it's, I think property 24 is six or 7 million people every month. Um, and also they said, you know, rent great, but you know, we make money on sales. So it's not really interesting for us. And that's when we were listening to the market. I mean, the first point here is data, right? So yes, we've got this grand idea, this grand vision, but if we're not collecting data from the market, um, and, and having this constant feedback loop of iterations, 
um, you're not going to survive, right? So to get to that product market fit, it's a function of a feedback loop and shoving as much data in the market as possible. So there was, I mean, along the way, there were little iterations, but that was the major one. That's when we had to do like a 90 degree pivot. Um, and and my background is is uh, I had a I had a, an ad tech business before this that I exited, and we were Facebook's partner in Africa, and we you know we we built we built it up to we ran it across big uh, clients, and we were the biggest buyers of Facebook inventory. So I know Facebook and Instagram quite well. And then I said we said to ourselves, well, I mean these agents want critical mass. What's more critical mass than the social platforms, right? So if you just take Facebook and Instagram, there are 26 million people on it every day. Um, and they spend hours a day and the level of data there is so rich. And so that's when we decided to integrate the Facebook and Instagram platform into dates more. It goes into Google display and so on. And so uh, um, we, we went back to the markets, to the agencies doing both sales and rentals, allowing them to now uh, market their their properties or, or you know find find leads like they would have on the on the search portal that we had but tapping into the largest source of demand in the world which is social platforms and that's when the j curve started going up yeah i mean the uh, one the amazing thing is launching before lockdown which i mean timing is like it couldn't have been worse um but I, I mean, it also is a nice time for you to be forced to either make a change or invest into what the market actually wants at the time. And I guess the interesting word you used there was a viewing, you know, it's to set up a viewing was non-existent back then. Everyone's in lockdown, stuck in their houses. And how you change that is to have, you know, a more virtual version of, of these viewings. Um, and I think the, the interesting part is that, you know, you had almost a B2C start where you're going after these landlords the ones and twos of these guys who are owning a couple of properties and then understanding that by learning so much from these actual users there's so much rich information that you can apply to a b2b market where you can be more personalized you can actually deliver on something like sales versus rentals where by over time understanding the actual customer you know that's that's actually valuable to them that's something that you're going to go after. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the you know, like the the important part is that um, the you you create value through struggle. Ultimately, you have to take pain, and struggle is painful for everyone. It's un it's uncomfortable, and you know, as an entrepreneur, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so, so whenever there is discomfort, I embrace it because I know that's where the value is going to come out. So. Um, and, and also the products that are created out of discomfort are products of necessity as opposed to nice to haves, you know, so, so products of necessity attracts value, which means you're going to get paid for it. And so when we, when we built the flow as it is today and we launched it, that's when we realized that it's an absolute necessity. It's, 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 the, it's the bread and butter for, for estate agencies to be able to function and to be able to grow themselves. And we were providing that for them. And, and again, that, you see it in many signals of data in your business, one of which is just growth. Yeah. So, so do you think the initial problem that you guys actually had when you went into the sort of landlord space and, and the rental side of things was to make the relationship between the landlords and the tenants a better experience so that there's more attention? 
and then now kind of moving to a place of acquisition where you you know you're trying to get sales to through the system yeah i mean you know you, i saw it in my previous business which is a marketing business a tech business i'm sure you guys see the same at half how much what percentage of your budget is growth budget versus retention budget yeah yeah. Right. So it, it's, exactly. it's, it, it, I mean, probably 90, 95%. Why? Because um, businesses, yeah. and sometimes wrongly so, you know, businesses attribute value to growth much more than to retention. But it's actually so much cheaper to retain an existing client than to get a new one. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, um, our business initially was very much about retention of your, of your tenants and reducing the landlord's risk ultimately. Um, and we had clients, it was fine, it was a bit of a slog, but like when we saw the, the real exponential growth was when we were solving the growth problem for these businesses. Yeah, I think that's the, the interesting side is that, you know, what we've been saying on, you know, each of our episodes throughout the podcast is that, you know, you need to put your ego aside that you can't just, you know, pick a certain problem and keep going on year on year trying to solve it when, you know, it's, there's no actual value that you're providing for the end customer. And, you know, that's something, you know, that's when you can kind of shift into something and you see the value. And when you start, I know you guys have a really strong sales team and, you know, their job must be so much easier from back then when you're trying to sell retention and you have to explain what customer lifetime value is versus, you know, initial wins. And now you're in a place where you're chatting to these agencies and, you know, the quick wins is all they want. And, now you're delivering a product that can help them. Definitely. And it, it is their business. You know, they're not necessarily a business of retaining clients. I mean, they, 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 they very much are in terms of their own sphere of influence. So an agent generally um, builds out a network and, and that's where, this, first of all, it creates referral for them, uh, which is a big source of, of um, um, growth for them. Uh, and secondly, there's recurring business, right? But they don't need to necessarily invest um in terms of big paid media to do that they need to maintain contact they need to create have a content strategy they need to be emailing you know their 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 audiences um you can retarget them too but but what we're talking about is is not we don't need to debate with them that they need to do more retention right i think a lot of it is naturally happening in their world and it can always be better but this is something like most of their business is about new clients, finding new stock to sell and finding new buyers or, or renters. Yeah. And, and I mean, going into this initial, what we'd call a, you know, MVP that you'd, you'd launch into the market with any sort of key metrics that you're looking at that you were trying to, you know, uh, keep your finger on and make sure that, you know, if these metrics are moving in the right direction, then we, you know, we, we headed in the right path. Um, was there anything that you kind of looked at as the main metrics that would line up to a possible pivot or a change in direction? Yeah, I mean, the basic sales metrics, and some of it is intuitive, but once you write it down and measure it, there's so much more that's visible. So um, things like, first of all, how, what's the conversion rate from a, 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 a cold email um, to a meeting what's a conversion rate from a meeting to a follow-up meeting or to a sale you know what's a conversion from a sale to to going live and to retaining that client 
And those are all the metrics we've been monitoring. And, and we, we, I mean, we saw the sales cycle shrink to, to days, if not, you know, a few weeks maybe. And we saw um, just the conversion rate from, from a, a lead to a meeting to a sale just absolutely shrink. And as we monitored that, that's your first indication of a product market fit. Um, however, there's, there's, the, the, there's the rest of it. You know, so once you, you can do a great sale, Right, you can sell. You can be a, you you can be selling us in winter, but then when they get the product, they realize a month after, well, it's actually not what we expected, or it's actually not delivering. Or so so now we're very obsessive about measuring retention um, and lifetime value. Right. So our key metrics today are are the ratio of lifetime value to cost per acquisition, and we we have a target. We've got a goal for it. And um, we measure like everything in between because it starts, you start seeing cohorts, right? And so we now at a, at a place where we actually know the types of real estate clients that give us more profitability. And with our limited, um, you know, sales capacity, we focus only on those because they, they completely outperform in terms of profitability, retention, and lifetime value to the cost per acquisition. Yeah. I mean that's that's amazing for like your picking your actual target audience that you're going after. You're always going to start broad and narrow, and you don't just kind of pick one audience and put a big bet on it and know that this is going to be the highest retention that you're going to be sitting with. Yeah, you um, know, you 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 almost have to be clinical to a point. You got you kind of got to take emotion and out of it because generally you are a sample of one. So you may have a gut feel of who's going to enjoy it and. You know, but once it, once once a hundred people tell you, there's no debate, right? So so that's when you've got to be clinical and listen to data and not take your like you said earlier. Sometimes there's an ego piece. It's like, no, this is my vision, and well, if most people in the world are telling you that's not going to work, you've got to listen at some point. And so um, yeah, that's that that's uh, that's where it's important to be measured and um, and and non-emotional, right? So you and also not to chase the shiny penny, right? So you could kind of think, oh, there's a, there's a big whale and if I get him, it will be like half my revenue. And But the thing is, yeah. if you're measured about it, you're actually going to spend a lot more of your resources to get him in, which you could have spent on, on the rest of it. You don't know the lifetime value. You're going to be doing custom work as opposed to cookie cutting your actual product, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. So it's important to be measured and in a sense, clinical in your approach. Gil, um, I'm interested to know a little bit more about the sort of education side of things uh, and, and touching on acquisition again, you know, what was that process like and what were the insights that came from, you know, engaging with your customers and, and trying to educate them enough on exactly what it is that your product is? Because I know that in a market like the property market, uh, you know, there's a, potentially a lot of legacy beliefs and, uh, you know, they obviously don't understand a lot, a lot about digital. So what was that process like? So the truth is we actually never struggled with, with the main idea of th these businesses needing to be on, on digital channels that people spend their time on. Because we, are, we all are, like young and old, we all are consumers of those channels. Right? So we all, you know, my mom and, and, and so on are on Facebook. In different ways, yeah. <laughs> right. So we all get it, right? You don't even need to know the stats of 26 million and four hours a day. You just know that everyone is on Facebook and Instagram, right? Obviously, I'm, I'm broad, broad brushstroke, but it's, but it's a significant number. 
Um, so that part was relatively easy, but but then there are there are stigmas, right? There's there are expectations, and there is a gap of, I guess, a generational gap. Um, and, and sorry, not a generational gap, not at all. It's a um, it's just a skills gap because real estate agents are exactly that. They you know they're out there, they're selling, they're doing deals. They're not innately digital marketers, which are which is an expertise, right? It's it's a specific mm. expertise, and that's where the education has to come in. Because to a point, um, you've got to set the expectation of how to measure every rand that you spend on these channels, what to expect to get out, and and so on. So, one I'll give you just one example um, is that when you're when you're buying or selling a home. It's it's several months of consideration cycle. You know, you're you're mm -hmm. firstly considering should we, shouldn't we? You price the market, and then you say, okay, let's go do a few viewings. Let's go into the portals. Let's check pricing. Let's, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then you 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 bring your mom and dad, and you take a look at the place. You make a decision. That's months, right? And so, in that, there's a very specific marketing um, um, strategy where you have to nurture that long consideration cycle. Um, and there's a long game in it, which means that you've got to do branding and awareness. So the, the one issue is that because digital is so measurable, the expectation is for every round, I want to see bottom line business, right? I want to see conversion. Um, but but a, a difficult task to do is to attribute that what the branding and awareness component, which in this case is months, um, how that attributes to your, your conversion. That's the, one of the biggest education gaps that we have to deal with. Mm. I mean, you, Gil, you're taking on a big task here because, you know, there's there's almost the way that people market themselves in the real estate industry is what they've been doing for, for many years. You know, it's your your billboards, it's your bus stop posts. Uh, it's it's pretty much cookie-cutter stuff with everyone crossed-armed sitting next to each other as they're trying to sell their agency. And now you're almost, you know, uh, dr the driving force to open this up and say, you know, there's there's a new way of doing these things and a possible better way. And yes, you can do them at the same time, but you need to be on the platforms where, where people are spending time. And yes. what I'm excited to see is that, you know, these things, again, it doesn't happen quickly, but, you know, in a couple of years from now, there's going to be a standard that's set by these guys who, I wouldn't call them innovators, but guys that are seeing the bigger picture and they know that it's a, you know, omni-channel approach to, to what they're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you're right because today, I mean, till, till now, these um, agencies and agents have been using a marketing mix. You know, perhaps they haven't defined it like that in their minds. They are on street poles and on, on corner dustbin ads in the street and they are in a form on, on the portals and so on. And, and so they, 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 that's the, the traditional way of, you know, um, understanding how that works. And that's what I, what I meant earlier is that the, the kind of the stigma with digital is that it's only the leads part, right? But you're actually doing the outdoor media piece on digital and that's what we're enabling. And, and um, so, so, you know, one must kind of take that mindset that, that they've had till now. So it's not new. You just got to kind of bring it into the digital and remove that stigma of being this like instant hundreds of clicks. Everyone wants cats, you know. So um, that's yeah. that's the main. Uh, that, that, that's exactly what we're aiming to do. Yeah, and and I mean now moving from 
where you were building relationships with or building better relationships between the landlords and the tenants and, you know, making that experience a lot better, finding these amazing learnings that, you know, agencies are looking for for sales. And this is actually an amazing solve because when most people, are, at least our experience in it, when you start running lead generation campaigns, the sales guys sometimes think it's more work and, you know, you need to educate them on, we're actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you and we're taking off more workload from you and we're providing more opportunities for you to actually close and make more revenue. You know, and, and all these learnings end up taking you into a direction where you guys are today. And has the problem that you're trying to solve back then changed? And and if so, you know, what has it changed towards? Um, yeah, so you're right. I mean, uh, there's also the conversation around the volumes of leads and nurturing leads and, and so on, and which is the nature of these channels, right? So the engagement on, on these digital channels are high. Um, and you're going to get people engaging in all parts of their, of their like life cycle, right? Sometimes they may not even know that they're interested, but um, because of the nature of like, you know, a Facebook or, a, or an Instagram newsfeed, ads are shown to you. Generally, they target you because there's some data that you, but the ads arrive at you and they, they may be people in the beginning of the consideration cycle, tire kicking. So you may get a tire kicking lead and then it's uh, one of the gaps is to ensure that the agents that that there is the, you know that are closing these deals understand that these leads may be in different forms, and it's just about allocating them to the right part of the funnel. Because if a lead is tire kicking at this stage, in a few months' time, he's going to buy from you, right? So you've got to you've got to still want to nurture that relationship. So yeah, I mean, the what we still have to solve, we have solved an initial problem let's say in terms of our bigger vision now it's we've enabled the agency and the real estate industry to get on these channels and before they couldn't it was very difficult very expensive and therefore it's not possible that's the one thing that we've done but yes as we as as we enhance the platform we want to make make it easier for an, for an agent to to get um, uh, to, to manage and nurture their leads ultimately. We want to enable them better to close more deals. Mm. And I think um, I'm always excited to hear about what's to come next. Um, but I, maybe you can't give away too much. But, you know, what does the future look like from here? What does what your product roadmap look like from here? And what are you prioritizing? So uh, the one thing I can definitely talk about is that we're we're continuing to integrate to as many channels where people spend their time. Um, so, you know, like Google Display Network, which we're already doing, um, TikTok, et cetera. So that's definitely on the roadmap to be as agnostic as possible and to just reach people, which has a further benefit of, of a cross-channel approach, right? Which is like your, your assist, you know, so your attribution or like an analogy for most is, um, your midfielder um, passes the ball to a striker who scores the goal. And they, you know, mm. it's not only the striker that takes the credit. So um, that's the one thing, definitely. Um, the other thing is that we've, we're, we're, we're expanding beyond South Africa. We've done a lot of work and we have quite a few clients in Southern Africa. Um, and a lot of that is happening off the back of our existing clients. So the big agency brands who um, are, are, 
you know, have presence in a lot of other African countries. So we're going deeper into, or, or rather we're, we're more horizontal. So we, you know, going into new regions, but also we're going to regions outside of Africa. Um, in all of those cases, and part of the roadmap is that we actually require deeper integrations with the providers in different regions. So we actually pull through listings and, and data um, from the agency offices, from their websites and so on, and from their listings management systems. And in every region, we've got to have an integration. So that's a lot of work going behind that. But there's, there is some stuff that I can't really talk about too much. Um, and we, you know, like I said, in short, it's, it is a long roadmap um, where we want to just go, you know, um, get, get, bring the value closer to the agent, right? We want to ensure that the agent can go out there and, and do their job closing deals as best as they can. Yeah. And we've got a lot on the go for that. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's super exciting that you mentioned that you want to tap into more platforms. Um, I think when you're in a position to collect even more data, you could probably start seeing which uh, collective platforms are most advantageous for specific cohorts. And I think that could potentially be where things get really, really exciting. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, there are multiple cohorts here. There's obviously in sales versus rental. Um, there's, there, there's, you know, life stage. So you can be like a bachelor versus an early family, a first time jobber versus a bigger family versus mm. 100%. And each each of those segments engage differently on different platforms. 100%. Yeah. I think the, the interesting thing you said there was the, you know, the midfielder and the striker and the, the relationship that all these different parts come together for, you know, what, what looks like the end product and, you know, product just doesn't come together. It culminates over time with all these different things that are pushing in the right direction. And I strongly believe that, you know, it all starts with a problem that you're solving and, you know, by you saying that you bring the value closer to the agents and, you know, it's accessibility at the end of the day that you allowing people into this world um, and and closing that gap. And I, I think the, the amazing thing that you said there is that, you know, there's a very extensive product roadmap and it's very specific as to what that roadmap is because you're kind of staying within the guidelines of this problem that you're solving. Um, and it's, it's a very exciting time that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the next couple of months and seeing, you know, the years to come. Are there, are there some key metrics that are different to, to the past when you first launched and, you know, as you move into this next stage that you, you're keeping an eye on or is it kind of still the retention? No, definitely. I mean, I mean, first of all, you know, our approach to releasing product or executing on a roadmap is also very measured. And so we, we kind of pick from a list of features, ideas, and, you know, et cetera, mainly from hearing the market, right? So we're, we're you, you kind of, you, there's two schools of thought. There's one, solve for an existing problem. Or two, you can often be a market maker. You can actually create things that people never knew that they wanted and needed, right? So, so there's both, but mainly um, the feedback loop here is that as we learn how our clients use our product um, and we measured about it, um, that is what determines um, and informs our roadmap, right? But yes, I mean, in terms of like what we measure, um, of course, it's retention. But then it's also um, the, the, the revenue per, per client. 
Um, over time, for our business, we want that to go up, and that's going to happen by cross-selling and upselling. Cross-selling is new products, upselling is existing products and spending more. Um, but it has to deliver to a return on investment for, the, for our clients too. You know, so we are measuring those sort of numbers. There's another, there's another metric that we're starting to measure is, is like net revenue retention or, or, or negative, uh, an, a negative revenue churn. That's what we're aiming for, which, which really what that means is you, you spend money acquiring a client uh, and you've got like a lifetime value from them. Um, and you, you'll always have a certain churn rate, right? And it depends yeah. on a certain business. Um, and you want to minimize that churn as much as possible, which is basically are you providing value to your clients. Um, but what we're aiming to do, because we're, we want to increase that revenue per client by offering them products to make their business better, um, that cost per acquisition gets, is more and more discounted, which is that net revenue retention. It means that for every rent that you spend, um, you're, you're actually retaining more money. You're not only retaining that same value, you, you, you can, you've got the capability to retain and, and attract more revenue to your business. Uh, so we're at that stage too, which is exciting. It's, you know, and I'm grateful to be here as well. Yeah. Okay, great, Gil. Uh, I think the, the last question we always like to end on before we wrap up here is we always want to push ego aside. We always want to put our opinions, um, you know, leave them uh, at the door and make the data kind of guide us in the right direction. But there's always that feeling inside that, you know, it's, I want to bet on something and I, I believe something's going to go a certain way or I have an opinion on something that, you know, I can't voice too loud, otherwise it's going to skew certain data or certain decisions. But going into the next couple of months and, you know, the next uh, year or so, are there any sort of bets that you would put your, your money on and, and say there's going to be some big learnings in, in certain markets or, or specific areas of the product that might, might come out? I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I think that we're going to all experience buying and renting homes in a different way, um, especially discovering homes. I think we've all traditionally had direct channels to an agent who went to a portal. And I think that's what we're, we've been doing is your experience in buying or renting a home is actually going to start on social media and, and you know, across those channels, which I think a year ago was pretty much zero. And now, you know, we've, we've managed to, we, we've reached, I think about 10 million South Africans across the board, across our clients. We've, you know, we've, we, we've had millions of people engaging and 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 uh, submitting leads to agents via social platforms and that was close to zero you know before before flow launched before we 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 brought this product to market um so so yeah i think we will mainly be experiencing discovering and buying homes in very differently that's probably one of my biggest trends and i think that will that will happen yeah well we'll be keep keeping a close eye over the next couple of months and Hopefully we're excited to see that and in a couple of months time we'll get you back on the podcast and see where, where you are after this this product roadmap. Thanks so much for joining us in studio, Gil. Appreciate Great, it. Great, guys. Oh, yeah, so. thanks for having me. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Another week of My Product Tested. That was Gil Sperling, founder and co-CEO of Flow Living, the PropTech marketing platform for all agents and developers around the world. We'll catch you next week.